just understanding, you know, what are your parameters? What are you doing in your space to help? Um, are you putting in walk-off tile? Are you putting in enough walk-off tile? Things like that can solve so many problems. Welcome to Beyond Clean with Jim, a podcast that brings to you on your schedule and your environment current and relative conversations on subjects that impact you, the individuals in the cleaning industry who save lives every day. Beyond Clean with Jim is streaming to you through Podbean from their studios inside Jim Supply in Central Florida. From their six locations, Jim Supply has been improving lives with clean supplies since 1930. Check out our options today for education, product, and equipment at jimsupply.net. Check out the seven pillars of the Jim Difference. At Jim, we are not just another vendor, we are your partner. Now let's join your host, Dave Thompson, as he talks with yet another influencer in the cleaning industry here on Beyond Clean with Jim. Good morning, everyone. This is Dave Thompson. Thank you for tuning into this uh, podcast today where we talk about everything that is healthy and positive. You know, many times we go beyond, you know, in this business, we go beyond cleaning toilets, washing windows, and just plain facility maintenance things. So, you know, today I have two individuals that, well, let's just say they know much more about luxury vinyl floor than I probably ever will. But, you know, you didn't come on the show to listen to me, your host. You came on to listen to them. So if you've been on our show before, you've heard Sean DeVore talk several times, many times. I think he's going on his third year. Sean, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Dave. How are you this morning? Well, hey, you know what? It's another time where you and I get to talk uh, for uh, uh, roughly an hour. But are, are you just playing tired of talking with me? So that's why you had to bring back up today? Yeah, I ran out of subject matter. Uh, now that I don't think anybody listening is going to believe. <laughs> so, uh, Sean, would you introduce our uh, guest today and... Uh, Folks, we'll probably all learn why we're here and what we're going to learn about. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, today, I have the honor of uh, bringing on Whitney Legate. Whitney is our director of LVT and sheet manufacturing for Mannington Commercial. She's based in Georgia, and she hops between our manufacturing plants, um, helping us to uh, bring in raw materials, manage manufacturing, manage, manage scheduling. She's also involved in material planning and uh, develop, product development. So she's got her hands in a lot of different baskets. Uh, very talented person. It's an honor to work with her and it's a true pleasure to know her um, and get to know her better over the years. And her and I have become really good friends. And I, I think she'll bring a lot to us today and, and talk about talking about trends and what's going on in the LVT and LVP market and a little bit about wear layers, construction. Um, I'd kind of like you to ask her some questions from your perspective that, that maybe we, we wouldn't normally bring up. So um, with, without further ado, this is uh, Whitney. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. And thank you, Sean, for that very kind introduction. Sean always is big shoes to fill anytime I'm doing anything with you. So it's an honor to be here with you and Dave today and thrilled to talk about luxury vinyl tile. You know, I think that's one of the first things that I would like to point out. Now, I say luxury vinyl, guys, uh, because I want to differentiate 
in words that we use. And so on a podcast, it's all about words, right? Right. Okay. So I, I thought there for a minute I'd lost both of you because I didn't hear anything. Um, no. So, so the thing is, is you know, what people say luxury vinyl tile. You know, in in the world of um, luxury vinyl, it's not just tile; it's planks, it's rolls, it's sheets. What is the most popular? I think that so, what we go ahead, Whitney. I'll let you no, go ahead and lead with this. Well, I mean, you know, everyone. There's a lot of terminology in the market. Um, you often hear, by far, it's luxury vinyl planks is really, I mean, what is the dominant visual um, across the industry, both residentially and commercially. But we continue to hear a lot of different marketing terms sometimes. So what should we say? Well, none of it's wrong. Um, the most common term is, is LVT. I think that's what I hear the most, Sean, you can certainly comment. Um, now that is refers to traditionally made glue down product. So rotocured, which is a lamination process. There's a whole other category that we'll call rigid that is a version of LVT, but it's not the true LVT that we've seen in the market for the last few decades. So LVT, as you're talking today, is something I'm going to glue down to whatever flooring substrate I have, whether that be concrete or wood or, or what? Would that be correct? Yeah, that's how I would define it. Um, being in, in the industry, someone who maybe isn't as familiar might lump it in with some other things. But yeah, um, you know, in my opinion, you know, sheet vinyl, rolled goods, that's separate. LVT is a traditionally you know, a plank or a tile format, I, I put them under both. I really rarely say LVP, which would be luxury vinyl plank. Um, I just use LVT as the general nomenclature for the category. But yeah, it would be a, a glue down or, or possibly a loose lay. Anything that has layers that is laminated together to create the flooring versus this rigid category that we've seen come into popularity, which is more of a core it has a base core to it um, that gives it a little bit of a different property system. Um, so, you know, we can get into that. There's a lot of nomenclature around that as well. Um, it could be considered a subcategory of LVT, but really they're two separate things. There's LVT and then rigid. Well, keep on going, Whitney. We're here listening. <laughs> so I do a lot of training with some of our new hires and Sean, jump in for sure, because you have yep. that customer marketing side that you get a lot of feedback but um i always get the question of okay we hear lvt we hear loose lay we hear rigid we hear solid core spc wpc what are all those things and it is confusing um like anything where you're not doing it day in and day out but as i mentioned in my opinion and this is just one one girl's opinion um LVT is that laminated process, whether it's through a press or a, a continuous lamination system, which is what we see here in the U.S., that makes traditional glue down LVT, what we're probably most familiar with. And then there's the rigid category, which I always kind of draw a diagram of rigid at the top 
And then underneath that, having the SPC and WPC subcategories within it. Now, the rigid is a um, extruded core is typically what you see. There's lots of different variations. You'll see vinyl cores. You'll see, you know, concrete. There's all these, a lot of evolution right now. It's the newer product in the market, most heavily seen on the residential side. So while we do see it on the commercial side, um, we see it most predominantly in residential and multifamily applications. But underneath that rigid umbrella, I would say there are two core elements, which is SPC, um, and WPC originally, um, and kudos to them, but U.S. Floors came out with that WPC construction years ago, which really stood for wood pulp composite is what the initials originally stood for. Wood's no longer in the product, so it's a waterproof core. They kind of um, evolved the abbreviation of that. And it's typically an extruded core with some type of Visual on top, it's almost always click. We're starting to see variations that are not click. Um, and it typically has some type of attached pad on the back. So it could be cork, it could be IXPE, um, it could be a variety of things. And typically that's for sound. So all of those things lend itself to that residential apartment, multifamily type installation. So those to me are the big two categories in the market. There's LVT and then there's rigid and each of those have some subcategories underneath them. Now, Sean, you kind of did warn me ahead of time that we were going to get deep into it. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but uh, have you ever heard of wood plastic core? Yes, I have, but I didn't know that they had changed the name of it. Yeah, so it started as wood pulp composite is what WPC stood for because there was wood originally in those cores. And then it went to the industry mostly refers to it as waterproof core. But you almost never hear that. You hear the terms WPC or SPC. SPC is? Solid core. So And it used to be stone. Um, it. it I don't, SPC is very new. It was the second um, evolution of WPC. So when you make WC product, when you make that core, you actually go through a process where you, you it's called a blown core, where you blow little air bubbles. It, the heat causes a reaction and you get some air bubbles within the core. It's typically thicker. You'll see a lot of eight millimeter, et cetera. Um, and those air bubbles, Again, this is like you'd have to have a micro, um, be looking at this through a microscope, but it helps disperse sound. So you typically get very good sound ratings, IIC or STC ratings with that product, but it can also crush. So a simple example, if you dropped a can of Campbell's soup on the floor, everybody knows what, how the weight of that, it would crush that potentially and it doesn't rebound. So it actually causes a deflection in the floor where you've crushed part of the floor. SPC came about as a second evolution to WPC and it's a solid core. So there aren't any air bubbles. It's actually typically a solid vinyl core that's much denser. 
slightly heavier. You still get good sound, um, but you don't get that crushing that you can often see on WPC. In my opinion, and most of the commercial project products are typically SPC. It actually is a better overall performing product. It holds up a little bit better, typically under most of the tests. Although it's interesting, the residential market typically touts WPC as the more premier construction. So a little backwards um, what we would normally see in the market. But those are really the two subcategories of rigid. Um, again, mostly being that um, WPC can have higher sound and has that blown core. And then SBC is more dense, sometimes can be heavier. Not always can get quite as good of a sound rating, but typically they're within a few points of each other. Sean, you're out there in the commercial field. Um, the glued down or floating, um, which one in commercial field is going on? Right now, what we're seeing is a large percentage of uh, glue down uh, two and a half millimeter glue down material. There is an emergence of the floating uh, products coming out. We've developed some floating products that do not click together, uh, that simply float on a, a, a tachified adhesive, which is an adhesive that has uh, lateral stability, but no vertical stability. It doesn't stick to the back of the product. It just keeps it from moving. Um, so right now, the, the glue down is primarily what we're seeing everywhere because of cost. It's, it's a less expensive product to install as well as to, um, to manufacture. So um, that's what we're seeing. Now, with that being said, that market is now is changing. And, and Whitney brought up a couple of things, the IIC rating and the STC rating. Those are sound transmission ratings. So the, the STC is definitely sound transmission. That's when a sound bounces in a room, it bounces off a floor and against the wall and back around. That's a sound transmission. And the IICA rating, it, our IIC rating is the rating of the sound uh, transmitting through the floor from the first floor, or actually from the second floor to the first floor. There's all kinds of rate, uh, rules that go around how that's measured. Um, but those are the two things she was talking about when she talks about ratings. So the IIC rating is in multifamily. So if someone's walking around on the second floor, you don't hear their footsteps on the first floor. Um, so that's why that's primary, primarily in the, those markets in the multifamily market. That market, the multifamily market is growing immensely right now. There's rental properties going up everywhere. So these projects are huge. 200, 300,000 square feet. And they are all almost all click uh, SPC type products that are going into these um, multifamily units. So that's where we're seeing more of it. And then we're also seeing in areas where every time you put into a the people that are putting it in there are trying to save as much money as possible. And by doing that, they're wanting to overlook floor prep or substrate issues. And the floating floors can help overcome some of those issues for less money. So I've got a job I'm working on right now that's a three to five year lease. Um, it's a, an exercise room. It's going to get, she's got some clothing in there she sells, but she has a couple of machines. She's got an old epoxy floor that's popping and chipping up. And she doesn't 
have the money or the time to pay for floor prep. So we're looking at some floating floor alternatives to go over that type of um, floor. So I guess to answer your question right now, just to reconfirm the two and a half millimeter glue down is the most prolific product in the market right now with the other floating floors catching up. So Whitney, he is bringing up a term two and a half millimeter. Can you expound upon that just a little bit for us? Yeah, so there's really a couple key elements. Anytime you're looking at a specification for LVT or referencing kind of its key characteristics, and one of them is total thickness. And that was what Sean was referring to as if you just put the product on a table and measured it from bottom to top, that would be your total thickness. And most, a, a large portion of commercial heavy traffic LVT is around 2.5 millimeters. The industry ranges from two and a half to five millimeter under the LVT glue down umbrella. Um, typically, two millimeter tends to be your very low end. Sometimes it has, um, you, you know, to try to get cost out. But so one of those key properties is total thickness. So that's what Sean was referring to. The other is wear layer thickness, which is the mills on top of the product. Um, that represents the wear layer. So in LVT, you have typically in commercial, light commercials, 12 mil. The ASTM standard for commercial LVT applications is 20 mil. You also have 30 mil, 40 mil, and there's some variations in between at 22 and 32. And then it goes up to 40 mil is the maximum that you'll see. So the range for commercial is somewhere between 12 mils and four mil, um, yeah, 40 mils for wear layer. And then somewhere between 2.0 and five millimeter for total thickness. And those, by looking at those two elements, you kind of quickly um, can glean where the product is going or what type of performance and possibly price point you would be looking at for a glue down LVT type product. So whenever the audience uh, that's listening to this, whenever they're trying to get an idea of the actual thickness, not everybody is familiar with mills and microns and, and all of that. Can you give the audience some kind of an idea of, uh, you know, they're used to what we've had on the floor for the last hundred years, VCT, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. you know, measured by like a quarter inch or an eighth of an inch. So you're talking about products that are much thinner than VCT standard pro floor product. Yes. Yeah, so a two and a half millimeter is 0.098 of an inch, 0.098 inches. Um, so just under an eighth of an inch. Um, so it's, it can vary. You will see, so like an eighth of an inch or quarter of an inch, excuse me, not eighth. Quarter of an inch would be 3.175. So it's just under that. Um, there are products in the market that are that thickness. Uh, it's interesting you bring up VCT because LVT has taken so much market share from VCT over the last decade um, across market segments. You still see a lot of VCT used, particularly in retail, some in education, um, back of house things. Um, but it's definitely been an interesting evolution to watch that change over time. And a lot of that has to do with performance and maintenance and overall life cycle costs.
Sean, that's what you and I talk about most generally for the last three years has been the life cycle maintenance costs. So um, I'd like to hear the two of you kind of talk through this maintenance um, you know, thing. Uh, you know, Whitney, this is one of the things we talk about here at the Academy is, you know, we're here to, after you've put the product on the floor, I have to work with the people how to maintain it. And many times they're not up to date. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's been really interesting. I've been on a maintenance journey myself and Sean, I'll let you comment. Mm -hmm. You deal a lot with it in the field, but you know, a lot of it is just education. It does come down to that. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to do certain things to get certain results. And we want to make that as easy as it possible for our customers. You know, when we first started seeing LVT taking major market share from VCT, and we even still have a challenge today in some applications, you know, it was really difficult to train those, the staff to say, well, you you're waxing this, but don't wax this product. And, you know, um, Mannington, who I work for, was one of the first companies to come out with a no polish required LVT. And we had a patent and, you know, really held um, a high bar in terms of wear layer. Still do, but that was a big transition. You know, now there's so much LVT versus VCT in most spaces. We've seen hospitals transition to it. You know, so we don't have that don't wax everything conversation as much as we used to. Um, but you can still wax LVT to your heart's content. You just don't have to if you don't want to. And again, goes to that life cycle cost you referenced. Um, but it's become more than that. It's about, you know, everyone's tight on staff. Everyone's tight on budget. How do we clean the floor quickly, efficiently? Um, you know, whether you're in healthcare and you're cleaning it between every patient or you're in a high school and you're not cleaning it as much as you should. And there's a ton of debris on the floor from the kids. And so it's, some of it is having an overall maintenance plan and then also knowing how to tailor that for the client and helping their teams really come out with a success story in maintenance, which Mannington focuses on. We have wonderful resources within our company who help our customer to do that. Uh, but it can be a real challenge in certain situations and even by season, you know, um, snow and salt present a very unique cleaning um, challenge in some areas. Sean doesn't have that so much in, in no. sunny, sunny Florida, but that's something we have to manage as well. So it's not one shoe fits all. It's it's an education and a strategy and really helping our clientele know how to develop the best cleaning protocol for their space, for their use, for that season, and and put it in a way that's easy to maintain, again, cost-effective, and doesn't put onerous burden on their staffing. I think what our biggest challenge from the manufacturing side has been is, like Whitney said, we Mannington got a patent on a, a no-finish floor. We were so excited. We have this new technology that's awesome, that's great. You're not going to have to put finish on it anymore. And this was us in our perfect world on the manufacturing side. And then we go out and start we start positioning it with design firms and maybe uh, administration and end users at hospitals. And we're like, hey, we have this great thing. We don't have to put finish on it. And we get it installed. We get it specified. But nobody called the maintenance team over to say, hey, you know, um, that cotton mop's probably not going to work really good on that aluminum oxide anymore, you know, that's embedded in that wear layer. 
or the, you know, you probably going to have to go to an auto scrubber instead of a mop and bucket. This was back originally when we first started transitioning to VCT and we still have some of that going on. We, now we've gotten administration completely on board with most of the healthcare facilities and, and, and education. And we're, we're including maintenance now um, on a larger scale. So we're bringing the two together, but it's taken years to get that done because there's so many, people out there. I, I had a discussion with a hospital uh, as close as a month ago, and we put a floor down. Uh, it was installed by a subcontractor through a bid process, and it was showing a lot of pimples under the floor. And the hospital, this one hospital in this entire system, just this one location, puts finish on the floor, and they bring it up to a 90 gloss. There's almost nothing you can do to keep some debris from being under the tiles under a two and a half millimeter product. And then you put eight layers of finish on it and put a high buff on it, high, high shine, 90% gloss, and you're going to see everything under it. It magnifies it. So I ha was having a discussion with the director of maintenance for that particular hospital, and she told me that we're going to put finish on it. And I'm politely talking to her that, listen, I'm the manufacturer, we make the product, and we're advising you to put either a lower amount of finish, as much as three to four coats maximum, to keep it more matte, or uh, you're going to see those kinds of things, or don't put any finish on it at all. And I'm here to help you understand those um, problems and issues and things that you're going to come across. And she just flat told me, we're going to put eight coats to 10 coats on it. And you're going to have to figure out how to make that work. So I'm in a di very difficult position with that particular end user trying to figure out a way to get around it to maybe come up with a different product, uh, maybe to come up with a different system. So right now we're actually um, we've stripped the floor down and we've put four coats in one area. Uh, we've completely reinstalled the product with a new system using a different adhesive and we've had her shine an area up to the 90% that she wanted is currently, <clears throat> excuse me, under testing right now, but um, to find out which one they're going to want to go with. So we still fight the battle with finish in the market, even though we've went through all this process and Whitney can elaborate more on the wear layers and where they've evolved from and where they're going to. But we worked so hard to try to save the money and save, you know, make a product that's more sustainable um, the environment is, uh, it's a plus for the environment because you're not putting stripper down the drain. You're not putting chemicals down the drain. You're not buffing a floor in the middle of the night, putting those, uh, volatile, volatile organic compounds back on the patient through the HVAC. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are positive about it, but trying to get that transferred over to the end user and the maintenance side is sometimes difficult. Well, Sean, this is what we talk about, and you and I have talked about it many times, and Whitney, you've probably listened to some of our casts in the past, and it is this switch in the mindset of individuals that have used VCT and have for decades put floor finish, layers and layers and layers. It seems like that's the only thing they know, and now they have this new flooring material and they want to use their old habits. You know, one of the things that I teach here at the academy uh, through Sean's help is, you know, 
why do you put finish on a floor if you already have a wear layer already on the surface? And you both have mentioned wear layers. So let's talk about wear layers, Whitney. Great. I love wear layers. <laughs> um, you know, one thing you just asked a question, why do they do that? And one thing that we come back to as an industry and certain market segments are more intent on it than others, but shiny is clean. You know, that is still an underlying challenge that we see in maintenance. And Sean just gave a great example. I guarantee you one of the main reasons they put, wow, nine coats of finish on a floor, that is a lot mm -hmm. of finish, is because shiny is clean. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to see how that whole concept has evolved. Um, we still see it. We still hear about it. Um, but there's also a trend in the industry of more matte finish, which brings with it its own challenges, by the way. Um, but the workplace type segment, some of your retail, um, even more advanced healthcare systems, we're seeing a, a request for more matte finish product because it looks more realistic. It looks less plasticky, we'll say. Um, and so that's been an interesting push and pull from, from multiple different sides of the market of, okay, so how do you, where do you land on that as a manufacturer? You, it's really tough to do both, quite frankly. Um, within our own urethanes, which takes us to wear layers. But, you know, I mentioned earlier that there are multiple wear layer thicknesses. So you can have, again, our, our typical manufacturing is a 20 mil, a 30 mil, or a 40 mil um, wear layer, which is a, a thin layer on the top of the product, which typically provides the performance that you see when the foot's touching the floor. So Scuff, scratch, stain, all of those things is typically where you are trying to improve your wear layer to have better performance. And it also comes into maintenance as well, being able to maintain that floor. If you have a really heavy texture, that texture sits on top of that wear layer. So just a quick background on LVT manufacturing. You have layers of products, so you have backing layers, um, you have print layers, and then you have what we'll call clear wear layers on the top that sit on top of that vinyl um, print product that is the wood or the stone or the terrazzo or whatever visual may be being made. All of those layers are laminated together. Those top clear layers are very important in performance, but once those layers are laminated, typically a liquid urethane type chemical is applied to the top. This is across most LVTs at this point. Urethane wasn't always used and sometimes in lower end, typically non-commercial products, you won't see urethane. It might be a poly coating or, or some other type coating, but I haven't seen one in a while. Um, so most people are using some sort of urethane compound, but that liquid urethane gets applied to the top of those layers after they're laminated, and then it goes through a curing process. So Mannington specifically uses a high voltage, quick cure process, which allows that wear layer to be very hard and dense. The faster you cure it, the harder that wear layer is and can hold up against stain, scratch, and scuff. 
you can also have, uh, I'm using my fingers with parentheses around, you know, UV cured wear layers, which I've personally seen, you know, it's the line running past an open window and gets light um, and it's UV cured. So we'll call that air cured for a lack of a better term, but I've also, you can put it in water. There's all these different cure mechanisms, but um, it's really important the way those LVT is cured because that liquid urethane layer actually needs to bond to those clear layers underneath it. And the process that we use, we use a double application of both urethane as well as curing. We cure it, let it set for a moment and cure it again, allows it to really become one. So if you were to look at it under a microscope, it's very difficult to segregate out the urethane wear layer from those wear layers underneath. Um, and that really gives you your performance. Now, with that said, anytime you do urethane, you can change your formulation. You can put things in it. We call them aggregates. So you might have a urethane that has ceramic bead mixed in with it. Um, glass bead, there's all different aggregates. Mannington has long had a patent since expired, but still uses aluminum oxide aggregates. But it's so much more than just what's in it. And this is something really no one talks about. So you might say, well, my urethane has ceramic bead in it. And part of it is the reason you use those aggregates is to get your wear layer denser, harder. Each of those elements has a different measure of hardness on the scale. So for example, aluminum oxide is a nine, ceramic bead is somewhere between a four and a six typically. Um, so that's an important element, but it's also how much you put in, what size are the particles? How do you, are the particles all at the top, all at the bottom? Are they suspended throughout the urethane? There's a lot of technology that goes into applying those into the urethane to give you optimal performance. You know, what I'm thinking here, as you're explaining this, Whitney, why would anyone in their right mind today want to put a softer liquid on top of all of that technology when you don't need to? And my, my, my point to that is, in the field, whenever I'm dealing with customers, they're, they, they've put this soft water-based uh, urethane on the floor, which is softer than anything that you've mentioned so far. Mm -hmm. And then they expect it to hold up. And now they're back to the maintenance that they were doing before with the VCT. So I always ask them, why did you make a change? You haven't changed anything. You're still, the life cycle of the maintenance is still the same now. You've just created a whole nightmare that you didn't have to. Uh, why cover up all of this technology, folks? It just doesn't make sense. Old, old habits die hard, I tell you. Um, you know, I, it, we've had some instances, and I do think there's been a really good evolution. I think people are getting smarter. I think that um, they believe in the story. They understand the story. A, a lot of it, and Sean does a fantastic job of this with his customers, is setting the expectation up front. What you are buying is not what you have had. It's the same kind of conversation that I have with clients when they go from carpet to LVT, let's say in a school classroom, and they're like, you know, it's much louder. 
Well, yeah, it's a different product. You have to, the, the behavior is different. Um, but to your question, I think some, there's one reason that I will say, and I see it most often in education. I actually think healthcare has come a long way. They're quite an educated, you know, maintenance, you know, maintenance is, is their, their, their life their these life. days. Um, but some people just want to reset the floor. They want it to look perfect for one week, every quarter or whatever that is. Um, and we've had people that we ultimately said, listen, if you want this shiny, you know, it, it can hide some sins. As you mentioned, it's softer. So it's going to get scuffed. It's going to get scratched kind of back, but then you wax it again and it kind of resets it. Some people, that's just the right thing for them. Well, you know, one of the problems I have is is that people, uh, you must be talking to a whole different group, Whitney, because most of the people I talk to just haven't got hold of the idea that I don't need to, I don't have to. They're 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 still there, you know. And I'm I'm always concerned. Uh, from my understanding, unless I'm wrong, folks, vinyl and the wear layers that you put on there is non-porous. So the liquid floor finish that we normally put on VCT has nothing to grab hold of. And in my experience, uh, weeks, months, a year down the road, this floor finish that they put on is causing all kinds of problems. We definitely see that in the market with, uh, I'll have people come out and ask me why my floor looks opaque or why does it have a opaque area over here and it looks clear over here. And that's where the floor finish has broke bond with our wear layer surface. Because one of the things that Whitney and manufacturing work on on a constant basis is how to get things not to stick to the floor, not to stain the floor, and to be be um, in a have an ability to be removed when there is something put on the floor. So we're trying to figure out ways to keep things from sticking to the floor and uh you know, the floor finish is trying to bond to the floor. I think some of the thing that we fight in the market is everybody, <coughs> excuse me, has their, has a salesperson and there's chemical salespeople, there's flooring salespeople, and everybody's trying to sell their product. And I've, I've often used analogies, you know, as we talk through the years, Dave, and you laugh at them, but, um, you know, when I started in the business at Carpetland USA in Tallahassee, one of the first things I asked that week to Art was, why don't we sell vacuum cleaners? And his he didn't have an answer for me. And it just seemed logical to me that a carpet store, when you bought a new room full of carpet, you would buy a vacuum cleaner. And we're still not, I don't think, talking to the chemical companies. And, and Whitney, I, you can elaborate on this if we are or we're not. But I don't think we're at that level. We're not talking to those companies about that cleaning ability. And I know that we have Jim Toth who has some relationships with some of the, the larger cleaning companies in the country. And um, I know uh, Max, our education director has a relationship with a cleaning company. And I think we're getting to that point. Um, but I think that's been the miss is we're developing something over here that we think is great. And then the maintenance story is just not we're not at the right level with those. We're trying, we're starting with the people who are cleaning the floor instead of starting at the top with the people who own the company. 
You know, Whitney, Sean, and I've talked about this many times, and Sean brings up the point. You know, we're so stuck in our old ways. Uh, you know, the mop is the worst tool on a floor, period, folks. I said that. Yes, I say it all the time. If you're using a mop, get rid of the darn thing. It's, a, it, it's, it's too old. It's not the right technology. Scrubbers. But we don't need pads. You know, many of these surfaces, Whitney, you talked about it. Most of this is going down as plank. It has ridges. It has grooves. It has texture. Uh, pads get on the top. They don't get in. A mop goes across the top and leaves dirt in the grooves. You know, all of these things, we're talking about a whole new, new product, but it's not new. It's been around for a long time. But, Whitney, you're right. <laughs> the old age-old uh, old habits die very, very slowly. Yeah. And, you know, it is education and they do die slowly and they're hard, even when we have them with the right equipment and the right solution, you know, then you're like, well, you're using too much. You don't need that much soap or chemical or whatever it is, because amazingly LVT is mostly less is more. Um, typically, you know, we find, most people are over chemicaling the floor that can create residue. Um, you know, we do have recommended, we're a big fan of microfiber pads and mops and whatever, you know, a lot of times it's trying to meet the client where they are on their journey of, of cleaning and then trying to bring them along and give them some tools to help them get to where we feel like they'll have the best success. But um, it can it can definitely be a real challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the time, you know, we recommend like an ounce of cleaning fluid to every gallon. And most people are putting in much more than that. Um, so it's, we can actually save you a lot of money sometimes. I don't know, the chemical companies always want to hear that, but it, it's a partnership. And we are talking to a lot of maintenance companies and chemical companies and we do testing together to try to how do we come together more because at the end of the day that helps our customer base right doesn't do any good to buy a floor you can't take care of or vice versa um it is frustrating as a manufacturer when you have a client who just bought this beautiful floor and then just refuses to take care of it really um so we do a lot of work we send people on site we do trainings you know i know you have you do a lot as well um, to try to to curb those habits. And a lot of it is getting in front of them early, trying to start off on the right foot versus um, that's not always possible. I think one of our most challenging environments is typically education is, is very difficult. Um, and then, you know, even backtracking from there, it's maintenance is so much more than just maintenance. It, you're right. There are grooves on the floor. So making sure that we pick products that are suited to that. So you don't want a heavy embossed textured product in an area that's not getting heavy cleaning, frankly, or scrub, scrub, you know, technology cleaning. So, and we've designed collections for that. You know, we have healthcare dedicated collections that have very minimal embosses just for that reason, so that they can use microfiber pads effectively quickly in a space, you know, oftentimes we see cleaning with just plain water effective. It doesn't do you any good if you're cleaning with dirty water, right? I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's that simple of just, yeah. Hey, ch change out your water more frequently so that you're not just moving dirt around the floor. 
Whitney, one of the things that I promote here at the Academy is the use of cylindrical auto scrubbers, where, the, of course, the auto scrubber puts down fresh cleaning solution and then picks it up. But typically, when I'm teaching a class, I'm telling people to use plain water in their auto scrubber. They have cylindrical brush, which is much, much better than any pad ever was. It gets in any groove or a smooth floor, so it covers both of the types that you mentioned. And by just using water, I'm rinsing the floor because usually we've got all kinds of everything that has been spilt on the floor. By the time I do the mechanical action and I flush it with water, and you've created me a great product that doesn't absorb and it resists, like Sean said, nothing's supposed to stick to it. I don't need the cleaning chemicals of before because I've got a different surface to, to, to deal with. Um, I can't understand why people in the cleaning industry can't get the idea through their head to rinse the floor. It's like put the chemical in the mop bucket or the auto scrubber and leave a chemical residue on the floor. You wouldn't do that with your car. You won't do that with your, your dishes. You won't do that with your clothing. Why is it okay to do it on the floor? Yeah, it's a it's a head scratcher. I'll give you that. Um, it's a, it's a very interesting. I think we've all probably had some interesting conversations where we see a site where like this is common sense, right? <laughs> but it's not. Um, so, like I said, we try to meet the client where they are and and give them recommendations and bring them along the maintenance journey. Sean, we're uh, we're getting close to the end of our time this morning. Um, yeah, you know, what's kind of unusual? You haven't got a chance to talk too much today. No, I haven't, which is good. I'm glad. I enjoyed having Whitney on today. So do you have anything that you want to slide in here before we leave? No, I just want to, you know, make it apparent that there is a, sometimes it, even in the sales for our own company from Mannington, the salespeople tend to lose sight of the fact of how much, time and technology and uh, perseverance goes into developing these products so that they perform in the field. And Whitney is a large part of that. And um, Whitney, is there anything that you would like to add as far as like, you know, manufacturing that's uh, you've seen developed over the last couple of years that's helped other than, you know, I know that the implementation of aggregates in the wear layer, uh, the different types of wear layers, uh, as far as depth, you know, 20, 30, and 40, um, you know, Rotocure versus stamped or pressed. Is there anything that you see happening in the near future that's going to be, you think it's going to be a, a game changer or anything that you see new coming up that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, being a domestic manufacturer of LVT gives us a really unique perspective of how things are made. I mean, a lot of people have never seen LVT being made even um, within their own supply chain. So to, to me, the greatest advantage of success is really multiple. It's considering things like what is your maintenance protocol for a space? And are you, you know, willing, capable everyone's capable they're not we don't ask anything strenuous um compared to any other flooring type if anything i think it's a bit easier but just understanding you know what are your parameters what are you doing in your space to help 
Um, are you putting in walk-off towel? Are you putting in enough walk-off towel? Things like that can solve so many problems. And then thinking about the product that you're putting in, I'm continuously shocked by people who select a white or almost white LVT in a very heavy traffic area that doesn't get cleaned properly very often. And they're like, you know, this is this isn't cleaning well. This isn't looking great. Yeah, I wouldn't think it would. It's almost white LVT. You know, so thinking about the design element, the performance element, as an end user, all those things are important so that you have the best success for your space long term. And that's what we want for you as well. Um, in conjunction with that on the manufacturing side, you know, you've continued to see evolutions. We didn't talk too much about it here today, but not only is it the urethane, like we've kind of taken a more holistic approach to the performance of the product and actually those wear layers that get laminated. For example, Mannington has a rigid wear layer and then a softer wear layer underneath that allows the product to still be flexible, easy to cut, easy to install, but gives it a much more rigid wear layer on the top. And anytime you do something with LVT, it's a give and a take. So you can improve one thing, but you might make something else worse. So you have to be very, very careful about changes that you make because it can impact things like dimensional stability, the balance of your product. You know, I kind of always joke, nobody cares that their product isn't dimensionally stable until their product's shrinking all over the place, right? So um, out of the box, nobody has that concern. But once it's installed, it's something that's really important. And not all manufacturers, that is not all created equal in this industry. So I think that just you'll see continued evolution in urethanes. I think sometimes it's more about, we hear a lot about scratch. Um, you know, not only does this floor scratch, but I always kind of tell people it's a lot about, can you see the scratch? Because it might scratch, but if you can't see it, most people don't care. <laughs> so it's, it's looking at things from a lot of different angles. You know, we mentioned rigid core in the beginning of the call. That's something that's interesting. There's a lot of variations of rigid. There are some technologies in that construction that could be very interesting within the LVT uh, segment, particularly getting almost like a laminate type top. So I expect some of that to bleed into the LVT traditional glue down, um, which hopefully will give us continued performance advancements and an easy to clean technology. You know, folks, there's there's something interesting that comes out of today's call. It does usually with when you just let conversation flow. And I think you've heard Sean and I talk about LV products for months now, off and on, and all of the same issues. And here is somebody that <clears throat> deals from the manufacturing side of it. And the one thing that I thought was interesting in today's conversation, folks, is they go through a tremendous amount to make a product that is so far superior to VCT. And in my feeling here as a host of this, even superior to carpet. And I think this is why you're seeing both of those substrates or those coatings are leaving the market for this. Folks, what we're trying to say today is you've got to get with it. That's, I don't know any other way to say it. I can do that, I guess. Just get with it. Things have changed maintenance has changed and we're trying to say that you take care of this every day you take care of this in a better way the product doesn't do the same things of old 
Guys, I appreciate your time that you've spent with us here today on the podcast. Sean, you know the routine. Um, uh, let me get a couple things in here, and then Whitney, I've got a couple questions for you here to close out the show. Sure. Um, Sean and I will be at the FSPMA conference in September here in Florida. Uh, we'll be off and on in one of the conference rooms. We've got several classes that we're going to be doing. But you're also going to hear us podcasting from the show floor during the vendor show. You'll also hear us on this channel podcasting as we roam around through the halls and in and out of different classrooms. So if you're a member of FSPMA, get ready. We're going to come and talk with you, aren't we, Sean? Yes, I'm excited about doing that. We're uh, developing our presentations right now to uh, put together the classroom work and then um, looking forward to uh, hosting a couple of those facility managers from the Florida School Plant Management Association in order to get them to speak and uh, voice their opinions and, and talk a little bit about maintenance in schools. Now, on top of that, right after I get through with FSPMA, that weekend, I'm flying to Missouri to do exactly the same thing at the Missouri School Plant Managers Association Conference, where I'll be podcasting live from there. So, folks, you're in for some treats come this fall. If you're a facility manager and you've been listening to this, we encourage you to jump on now. We're always looking to talk to a facility manager out there. You've heard some of the challenges and some of the solutions you know, and Whitney, one of the interesting thing is whenever I went to put some VCT and some LV down at our uh, Tampa location over a year ago, people told me that 40 mil wear layer was not possible. And then Sean says, oh, yeah, we got it. Well, it's not possible for everybody. <laughs> and that was what was interesting. You know, it's always nice folks to have somebody that knows more than you. And that's why I've got these two people on the on the podcast with us today. Um, now, Whitney, there's two questions I ask of every new guest. Yes. You ready to field these? I'm ready. Where were you born? I was born in Gainesville, Georgia. And you're still local, in Georgia. Local girl. I'm still in Georgia. My parents are grew up right side of, outside of UGA, um, and I currently live in Atlanta, but love it and um love georgia i've been very happy here and it's been great to see my career go grow here and mannington grow in the state of georgia as well so it's interesting you should say that because here's the second question what is on your personal bucket list for this year so my personal bucket list for this year now you're not you're not to the point of a bucket list like I am. I'm I'm getting closer to that end of life bucket list, but I'm talking about something you really want to accomplish. Yeah. So personally, I have a lot of work goals, but um, no, no, not not work. I'm not not work. No, I know. Me. I know. I'm saying, but personally, so I think a lot of it is. So I have two young children, um, and it's been an interesting few years with them with and the. COVID situation and all that, but it's been great and we've navigated fine. But this year, my husband and I have on our bucket list to take a trip, just the two of us, um, get out and, and get back to our traveling that we haven't done in a few years for both 
COVID reasons and kid reasons. Um, so that's on my bucket list for later this year is to take a, a trip, just the two of us. So grandma and grandpa, get ready. You're going to be babysitting a couple of boys. <laughs> a couple girls. Yeah. Girls. I think, okay. it's, I think it's multiple sets of grandparents. They might have to tag team. So, <laughs> <laughs> so folks, you know, we do, we, we do have the ability to laugh here a little bit. There's a reason I ask these questions because everyone is on a journey. We don't know where you started and we certainly don't know where you're going to end. But, you know, whatever that journey is that you're on, folks, make sure that you keep it healthy, positive, and proactive. Now, the other thing is I'd like for you to like and share this podcast. There's minutes information here. And as you could uh, tell, we're going to be sharing a lot more. So please look at the show notes that we have uh, at the bottom of this show. You'll be able to reach out to our, our guest speaker today, Whitney, and also to Sean. Um, any links that uh, they give us, we'll put it in those notes. And, you know, I got, I got to ask a question. Sean, why, why haven't you uh, sent me up to Georgia to see how LVT is made? That sounds interesting. I was talking, I was thinking about that when Whitney was talking. I'm, I'm bringing up some designers in July and mo there's not one of the designers that has less than 20 years of experience and none of them have ever been to an LVT plant and they are ecstatic about coming to see how LVT is made. So I don't see why there's not a reason why you can't come up there too, Dave. Uh, we might have to look at that. Whitney, it's been a pleasure having you on and Sean, uh, once again, look forward to uh, maybe another podcast like this later on? Yeah, I think so. Dave, it was lovely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Folks, we will keep it healthy, positive, and proactive. We encourage you to do the same, and we'll catch you on the next podcast coming soon.